I V M. Hello and welcome to this midweek episode of the Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast. This is DJ, your host for this episode, and I'm joined by Ashwin. Ashwin, can you feel the excitement in the air? Is your spine got a tingle of uh, in, like IPL fever running through it at the moment? Uh, I don't know how to answer that question, man. It's not. It's been less exciting a week for Delhi fans. More, I want to say, depressing a week for Delhi fans because we're what three back-to-back losses right now. So I feel something in the air as a Delhi Capitals fan. I'm not quite sure that sentiment is excitement. It's more gloom. But let's hope that turns around, right? It's just dread for Delhi Capitals fans. But I mean, by this time uh, next week, we will be in the playoffs, man. How quickly has this uh, come and gone? It felt like yesterday we were watching CSK play Mumbai, right? Yeah, I think what really, like, the fact that, as I think as soon as we crossed, like, match 35, 40 of the IPL, and at the time of recording this, we're done 48 out of 56, that dread starts to set in saying, wow, you look forward to this for so long, and then it's just gone. But I think perfectly timed announcement of both the squad and the schedule for India-Australia. India and Australia are going to be playing a boxing day test at the MCG. I think we've now got enough news about the world of cricket to keep us going. So yeah, focus on IPL for the next little bit and then we get to quickly pivot and talk about the Indian national side. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the Indian national side maybe uh, over the weekend episode or later after the IPL is done. But I mean, there were a few interesting games that went on since our last episode released on Monday, man. Ashwin, let's get straight into it. This is the Rajasthan Royals game versus the Mumbai Indians. Table toppers, Mumbai versus table, bottom of the table, Rajasthan. At that stage, remember, uh, CSK was still mathematically in with a chance at this point. The inning started off, uh, the Mumbai Indians got 195. Hardik Pandey, Ashwin, I want to talk to you about his inning. 60 of 21. Did he put to rest those questions around his offside batting in this one? Yeah, I knew you were going to pick on offside batting for me, right? So, 195, outstanding knock. I think credit where it's due to, you know, Yadav, who's been playing great, Saurabh Tavari as well. But this is what makes Mumbai so dangerous, right? The ability for Hardik to come in and hit 60 off of just 21 balls remaining not out. And honestly, I I specifically sent you this text message because I knew you were going to make fun of me for talking about how Hardik only hits over mid-wicket. But the Delhi fan in me is nervous about it. The India fan in me loves, loves, loves watching Hardik hit over cover. Like he, if he's hitting a six over deep, deep point over cover, over extra cover, over long off, that is amazing. If he can start using his stance and his just sheer power to get the ball everywhere around the field, I feel super excited about that. So I do think he has put the naysayers like me to bed. I think he's looked outstanding in that knock. Makes me nervous for any other team's chances in this IPL, but great, great, great excitement for Team India. It was great. And Surya Kumar Yadav got 40 of 26. So thanks for mentioning that. We will be talking more about that later in this episode, of course. Uh, but Hardik Pandya also in the mid-game uh, in the mid interview asked Ian Bishop to remember the name. So clearly he hasn't lost any of his uh, coffee with current field confidence, right? Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think it's funny because it was just a kind of sudden jest. So if you watched his facial expression a little as the camera was turning away, as they were shutting the interview, he just kind of... He mentioned it. So I thought it was funny. It was lighthearted. It was kind of well said. It seems like based on his Twitter reaction, uh, Bishop enjoyed it too. And what about the Black Power salute that uh, he took a knee, right? Uh, after he hit a six, he had a reaction from Pollard as well. Uh, what did you make of that in the in the Indian Premier League? Because obviously the West Indians make up a large proportion of the superstars there, right? 
Yeah, you know that Hardik and Kyron Pollard are close, right? And so the reaction from Pollard as uh, he took the knee, the kind of support, I think it was great. I'm a big believer that sports people and cricketers in this case have a platform. They want to make a, a statement for good. You can sit and criticize anything anybody does. Why didn't he make a statement about India or about human rights situations in India? Why did he wait till he made a 50 to do it, etc.? The point is the world was watching him after he made the 50. When he was celebrating, he had an opportunity to have his voice heard. He chose to take a statement about a good cause. I'm very, very supportive of it. So I thought he did a great job. Yeah, a statement for equality, which was which was great. Um, but what happened after that was uh, even more amazing because we've talked in the last episode about Ben Stokes. And I called him the premium all-rounder in the world who was struggling. Ashwin, I also pointed out that he, uh, given that I've uh, called him out on the podcast, he's probably going to get 100 while the game was in progress. There was a first innings, remember, back when we recorded. And he comes out and gets 107 of 60 balls dropped by Hardik Pandya in the outfield of uh, the bowling of his brother Krunal. Uh, I mean, Hardik didn't even get a finger on it. After doing all the work, he completely missed it. But Ashwin, are we seeing the world's greatest cricketer in action? And is that Ben Stokes? I mean, he's an outstanding cricketer. I think it's a jump to say he's the world's greatest cricketer just off of the bat of this one innings. I know he's done a lot. He's done a lot in tests and ODIs and now T20. So he is undoubtedly one of the greats at the moment. I think it's just a stretch to necessarily say world's greatest. But incredible. Who would he, he does compete this... with for that title though? I'm interested. I mean, what? In all departments. I mean, catching, the, the outstanding fielding, the... Bowling, I mean, he's one so game I don't think, with the ball. I don't one. think the fact that he's not the best bowler, he's not the best batsman, and he's not the best fielder, right? So if you're asking, have we seen the world's greatest all-rounder? I think that's un- unquestionably true. He is. I think to call somebody the world's greatest, I think it just becomes subjective on, would you put a pure out-and-out batsman like a Kohli or a Smith ahead of somebody who can bat well but also bowl? That, that That's a longer discussion for another day. But I do think... You know, Stokes does this once uh, once a year, at least in the IPL. He stepped up today. I was happy because he was the captain in my fantasy squad. So helped leap for, leapfrog me up a little bit. But really great day for Rajasthan. Happy for the team. Uh, happy for Stokes individually. And transparently, like, they're happy to see Mumbai come out on the losing side as well, right? They've just been so powerful this time. Ooh. Ooh, and Sanju Samson got 54 of 31 as well. They kept pitching it up to him and he kept hitting it out of the park. Four, uh, four fours and three sixes. But So, uh, the Rajasthan Royals, with that win, effectively knocked our boys um, out of the tournament. The CSK were done, the first team to be eliminated. And as of now, as of the time we record, the only team to be conclusively eliminated at this point. Ashwin, there was this other point I want to talk to you very quickly about Ben Stokes before we move on. And that is Marlon Samuels. So Ben Stokes made a throwaway comment saying he wouldn't wish um, quarantine being imposed on his worst enemy, right? And his brother apparently asked him, so you don't want Marlon Samuels to be uh, quarantined? And he said, no. That made news. And then Marlon Samuels went completely ballistic with some pretty, I mean, I'd say misogynistic at best and crazy drunk, I don't know, just crazy comments, man, on, on Instagram. What did you make of that whole, fr- like, kerfuffle? Yeah, I honestly don't really know what to make, right? Obviously, they have a rivalry that goes back to at least 2015, if not further back. 
Uh, a bit of an odd statement for Stokes to kind of start by saying, I wouldn't wish this upon my worst enemy, not even Marlon Samuels, right? Like nobody's, I wasn't. No, but his brother talking. baited him to it, to be fair. Sure, his said, sure. You don't want to be on Marlon Samuels. He's like, no. So, I mean, I think he's trying to be amusing and funny or whatever, right? At the, yeah. At the same time. I, and, I mean, Marlon's not playing the IPL, obviously. He hasn't been in the news for a while, not, hasn't talked. Been, no, I haven't talked about him or thought about him in a long time. And then he comes into the news and then, yeah, he just reacted very poorly. So I think disappointing to see a cricketer, a public figure speak up that way. I do try to give myself the reminder that these guys are human too, right? They're young, they're uh, fired up personalities, etc. And so, yeah, I wish I had a better explanation. It was just bizarre. I think he just reacted and posted something in haste without realizing that the platform he has, you know, the opposite of what we said about Pandya, the same way he does get heard. And he was hurt in the in an unfortunate way and just, just sad for the sport, honestly. I don't have a better answer for you. Yeah, the comments were extremely poor about Ben Stokes' his wife and like the color of his skin. And it was just, I mean, it just lacked class. And I mean, I've always had, I don't know, Marlon Samuel has always been a person who's been like rubbing people up the wrong way. But I just think he just went a bit too far and overreacted to this. I don't, I don't know. It reminded me a little bit of... When uh, Charlie Sheen went off the rails, if you remember that, that was the drinking tiger blood and whatnot. So very, very strange situation. Also, uh, Ben Stokes has just put yeah. one picture uh, after another on Instagram without any labels. I was going to say, that was more entertaining than anything. Like 3 a.m. UAE time, Ben Stokes' Instagram story goes live with just pictures of Marlon Samuels. Not compromising pictures, not negative, just Repeated pictures of Samuel. So that was pretty funny too. I don't know what this is. Do you think is. Samuel just hacked his Instagram or something? I don't know. I don't know, but it was it at 3 a.m. in the UAE. So there's a couple of different explanations I can think of. <laughs> awesome. So that, that wraps up all the chat around the first game. Wow, we spent 10 minutes just uh, chatting through that first game. The next one was uh, Kings Eleven versus the uh, Kolkata Knight Riders, which was virtually a knockout game again for the Kings Eleven, right? And I mean, they came out, Shubman Gill got 50, Nitish Rana, the hero of the last game, got none. Dinesh Karthik got a duck as well. I mean, Mohamed Shami was bowling beautifully up front. Fantastic. But then Owen Morgan comes out, just starts smashing it. I, I love the way Morgan like just takes this uh, 10 for 3 or whatever they were in his stride, right? And he just uh, starts smashing it everywhere. It's actually 10 for 3. In fact, Karthik went in um, in the second over and they were 10 for 3. And Morgan comes out and scores 40 of 25. Um just kind of carrying on the method that the English have employed for so long. Uh, they go to 149, which is competitive. But uh, what they haven't counted on is a Mandeep Singh. Again, heroic effort for him uh, from him after the passing of his father last Friday. Just incredible mental strength for him to be able to come out and, and bat, really. Get that 15, just brilliant. And the universe boss, Ashwin. Let's talk quickly about um, Chris Gale. 51 of 29, five sixes, just absolutely took apart the spinners, including his uh, compatriot Sunil Narain and the hero of the last game, Varun Chakravarti. Um, they've won every game since Chris Gale has been uh, brought into the side. Ashwin, is there any side that uh, Chris Gale doesn't make in terms of IPL greatest of all times? Yeah, look, he, I, I think this, this short answer to your question is no, but let's go through this, right? He made 51. Prior to this, he made 20, 20, 29, 24, and 53. 53 was his first outing at the IPL. The last match he played in January in the Bangladesh Premier League was this, he made 60. Before that, he made 38. A couple of matches before that, he made 54 in South Africa. So he's been in great form. He is on the wrong side of his, uh, you know, age is not on his side, let's say. He's 41. 
he doesn't run as fast as he can. But when you can hit the ball like him and have the hand-eye coordination he does, he's an asset to any side. So what I liked about that knock from Punjab, to be honest, was the fact that they didn't have a huge total to chase. Mandeep had said in the press that the first cup, first game he played, he was just going on, on the attack from ball one. That's not his game. His game is, you know, a little bit more, uh, a slower striker, a little more tempered. He rotates the strike and gets fours, not a huge six hitter. And that's fine when you have Gale coming in at three and Puran at four and Maxwell at five. And so they've used the players to play their roles really well. Mandeep batted at a striker of 117 and Gale uh, finished the match off with more than an over to spare with his uh, sixes. So just a, a great uh, team performance overall. Yeah, and it kept the it actually brought the Kings eleven into the playoff area for the first time in the this IPL, right? Yeah, what's amazing is the Kings eleven seems to be this year the side that loses a lot of matches from positions where they absolutely should have won, and now seems like they're winning matches from places they shouldn't. They may not have been assumed to win, right? Which this match was a little bit easier, but a couple of games before this, they've won when you didn't expect them to. So. Keeping alive, I think they're in fifth space, fifth place. The next game they play is against the against KKR, I believe, and that's going to be a really interesting shootout to see. Uh, or sorry, the next play against the Rajasthan Royals, um, and that's going to be a really interesting shootout to see can they make it their way just into the top four. They, they're in the top four as we speak. They are oh, four. are they? Did they fall? They're sitting okay, with twelve it. points. Got they're it, not far it. from. The, they're below the Delhi Capitals, man. They're one one win. They've all played twelve games. And um, everyone's played 12 games. And uh, the table is Mumbai Indians, RCB, Delhi Capitals, Kings 11, Punjab, followed by the KKR and the SRH. It's just, I mean, it's so tight. But we'll talk through more of those combinations now. But yeah, so uh, that was very, very good for the Kings 11, Punjab. It kept the IPL interesting and alive. But we were hoping, Ashwin, as seriously, as Delhi fans, we were like, there have been a couple of blips here, right? And we were just hoping, okay, Sunrisers Hyderabad. We're going to roll them over, have some good uh, paradise biryani, and uh, enjoy ourselves at the top of the table again. But Ashwin, um, it wasn't to be. What did you make of that uh, dropping of Johnny Besto? And obviously, I'm asking that before we come to the Riddhiman Saha uh, episode. But in hindsight, what a decision made by the uh, SRH, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, right. So obviously, he wasn't dropped. For Saha, right? He, when Bershaw got dropped, it was for Williamson to enable uh, Holder to keep his spot, Rashid to play, obviously Warner to play. And then they wanted Williamson to come back in because, frankly, Williamson got dropped without doing anything wrong. And so they brought Williamson back in. Obviously, then you need somebody to take the gloves and Saha comes in. And again, just like Stokes, it feels like Saha does this at least once a season where he comes in and as people have forgotten his ability to attack, he just comes in, he plays a mammoth innings. And I, I just remember... Watching, they crossed 100 in the ninth over and we were just all pretty much feeling a little bit of depression setting in when Warner and Saha were going ballistic at the crease. And yeah, I mean, at one point it looked like we'd be chasing 250. So arguably Delhi did okay by the end to hold them back at uh, at just 219. But yeah, a great, great knock from Saha. I think it's going to be interesting for them going into the potential knockout stages of this tournament if the Hyderabad team makes it as to whether... With Bearstore stays out, or you know, a batsman as destructive as him comes back in for the important matches. So, so what happened there? Did we just fail to prepare for Saha coming out to open the batting against the Delhi Capitals, or um, was it that we didn't expect Warner to be that aggressive as well as Saha? What? Why did? It, why did uh, one of the better bowling attacks? And we keep saying this on this show. Maybe it isn't one of the better bowling attacks uh, as the game has gone on. 
But uh, what happened in that innings? Why why weren't we able to uh, stop the Sunrisers Hyderabad once they got going? They got their second highest ever score in the history of uh, IPL. Yeah, really interesting question, right? So as you think about what actually happened, it's a, I think there's a mix of a, two, a few things. One, Saha coming out was a surprise, right? We had probably built plans for when Warner and Bairstow, get one of them out early, etc. Saha walked out, so that took us off guard. The second is, we complained about Rabada and Nokia not opening the bowling in the last game. So they did open. Nokia had a great first over. And then Rabada got off to a start a little bit unlucky, right? If you remember, Saha actually got off to, the, got off to a start with a boundary that was an edge. And then in the third over, we brought Ashwin on and it just kind of went south from there because Warner got off to a good start against Ashwin. Sahav started finding his form and I think they just decided, hey, we're at 33 and three overs. Let's go for broke in the power play. And after that, Nokia came back on, went for runs. Aksar went for runs. And then the the last over of the power play, essentially, Warner took Rabada apart, right? And Rabada is a fantastic bowler, currently holding the purple cap, but he does have these off days once in a while. And unfortunately, today was one of them. When he gave 22 runs in the last over of the power play to Warner, we just, it, that's, I think there was very little we could do to come back from there. The last thing I'll say that I'd love that you and I've talked a lot is, I don't know if Delhi have kept up with this idea that quick bowlers have started to be less and less impactful as the tournament has gone on, as the pitches have gotten less uh, helpful for the quicks, if you will. And so Rashid Khan has been bowling brilliantly. Chehel has been bowling brilliantly. Rahul Cheher from Mumbai has been bowling brilliantly. And so I think Delhi missed a trick with spin where we've been so reliant on these two brilliant quicks and they're outstanding. But Ashwin and Akshar Phillip came up short and I think we missed Amit Mishra this match. Absolutely. And we've talked about missing Amit Mishra. And it, the, all the names you gave there, Ashwin, Rashid, Cheher, Chehel. The difference between the Delhi spinners and them is that they are leg spinners, right? They've got the mystery, they've got the guile, they toss the ball up. And even today, case in point, when the Mumbai Indians were under the pump by Padikal and Josh, Josh Felipe, who got the breakthrough? It was Cheher. Tosses it up, gets a brilliant stumping by Quentin de Kock, and that changed the entire dynamic, changed the entire game, right? So, yeah, Delhi uh, is sorry, lacking not that. to mention um, Varun Chakravarti picked up his five for, right? Oh, well, not a leg spinner, not a pure leg spinner, but mystery, tosses the ball up, like you said. And, uh, I mean, yeah, there have been a couple other examples. Gopal has done well. Devati has done okay. So, yeah, there have definitely been examples of that. Yeah, and I mean, it was just, I mean, if only we had like a world-class uh, wrist spinner somewhere in our squad, Ashwin. Do we have anybody sitting on the bench, maybe? Man, I feel like you and I talk about this so much. It's it's unbelievable. Yes, of course, we're talking about the, the Nepalese cricketer Sandeep Lamichane, who's an outstanding leg spinner, an outstanding T20 player. He was in both yours and my Delhi playing 11 before the tournament started, and he hasn't yet played a game for this side. So, without dwelling on it too much, if you're me... You're the, if you're the Delhi leadership, you've come off three losses in a row, two of which were pretty crushing, right? Losing by nearly 60 runs and nearly 90 runs. You're going into your biggest two matches of the tournament. I think you bring Prithvi Shah back in to give you a batting option. Take out Shimran Hatmeyer, And then it gives you one overseas option. You drop the Shah Deshpande as your third quick. Bring in Sandeep Lamichane to give you an extra spin option. You still have Stoinis to bowl a third quick option if the pitch or the opposition calls for it. But I think... A bowling attack with Rabada, Nokia, and Lamichane, that looks like a strong side on these pitches that are starting to wear. 100%. 100%. That is the exact perfect 11. We need to somehow get into the ear of somebody in the Delhi Capitals and tell them that this is the 11 that they need to play. Because, I mean, Lamichane was brilliant in the CPL, man. 
we both of us were watching him they couldn't get him away there was a period where he didn't go for a boundary for 10 overs or something like that which is insane in a t20 game if you think about it right yeah and i think the question is going to be is it worth bringing in somebody new basically at this stage in the in the tournament and i would counter that with the argument that saha obviously came in new as a batsman and did well Lockie Ferguson came in late in the game and has done well. So there are examples of teams bringing in a quote-unquote new untested bowler in the tournament or player in the tournament and it and getting success from it. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, we've even seen Mumbai bring in year after year these um, Lendl Simmons type openers and and win at the end. But anyway, Ashwin, let, let's move on from that. That that is a combination issue. But um, the batting of the Delhi Capitals, we only got to 131, leading to 88 run loss, which destroyed the. Uh, net run rate that we'd accumulated over the uh, tournament, right? It actually dropped us to three below the RCB. But what batting effort was that? Shikhar Dhawan gone for a duck. Uh, Rahani scores at 130 when you're chasing 11 runs and over. Did we panic and send Marcus Toynis and Hetmeyer up top while keeping Pant and Ayer back? What was the logic behind that to uh, counter Rashid Khan, presumably? Was that it? I think so. I don't know. I think it was honestly a, a little bit of a panic, right? When you're chasing 220, you try to say, okay, let's send our big hitter up top. And then just, it just messed up the entire uh, composition of the side and fell short, not just off the target, but fell short by 88 runs, as I said. So I think any time you're chasing 220 and have Rahane and Dhawan opening, and Dhawan has been great so far this tournament, other than the duck he got this match. But you know, it's always going to be a daunting task. So they got, they panicked a little, Stoinis went up, then Hetmeyer, Ayer didn't come until six. So probably to try to negotiate Rashid, but the guy ended with four overs, three for seven. Magnificent figures. So yeah, came up short that day. Were you happy with Shreyas batting at six? Because you weren't happy with Dhoni dropping himself down two spots. Shreyas went down, what, four spots, three spots? Yeah, incredibly unhappy. I don't know what the thinking was. Was, was he just feeling like he wants to play the finisher role? Was... Ricky Ponting or both of them combined saying, let's get Stoinis and Hetmeyer more balls because they haven't played enough balls in matches where you have a big chase. I don't know what the logic was, but it is not acceptable for me, I think. He has been a rock star at number three, sometimes played at four for Delhi. I don't think you mess with that when when the guy's done well. Uh, so it just disappointed that they made that call and hopefully it was a one-time thing. Yeah, and I mean, if you're batting at four for India, you bloody well bat at four for Delhi, man. I mean, exactly. that's the least we can yeah. expect. Uh, but Ashwin, I want to talk to you about this guy. Uh, I know there's a little bit of a joke on this podcast that we are called the Rishabh Pan show because we spend so much time on it. But the squad for the Australia tour has been announced. Our boy is in the test squad, which also has Riddhiman Saha in it, but is not in any of the limited over squads. Ashwin, what have we done with Rishabh Pan? What what has this management done with him? And there's a great article by uh, Ben Jones, who works for, I think, Crickviz, um, We'll put a link in the show notes. But Ashwin, that, reading that article just made my heart just weep for Rishabh Pant. It just made me so, so sad. Watching those statistics. Um, and just that, I mean, we've killed his joy for cricket. We've, I mean, he scored 36 of 35. This guy's got 130 balls once in domestic T20 cricket. What have we, why, how have we ruined him? How have we managed to ruin him? Yeah, look, I full transparency. I haven't read that article yet, so I don't exactly know what the analysis was. So we, you know, I'd defer to you to talk about that one a little bit more. What I will say is, it just it, you feel for him, right? I've been critical. He doesn't look pleasant when he's batting. He falls over. He loses the grip of his bat, etc. But you can't argue with the results. You can't argue with the statistics. And he's done exceptionally well when empowered to play his game. 
I think we've seen it in the past. Like some people would draw a parallel to a Parthiv Patel who got pulled into the national setup too early and was never able to play at the level of potential he had. Or you go to an Irfan Patan who, you know, was had a lot more pace and was coached out of him almost, and then never got back to being that all-round force that we think he, we think he could have been someday. There's examples of overcoaching, both physically and mentally. And I just feel incredibly sad to think that Rishabh Pant might be one of them. Look, I do think he needs more time in the domestic circuit. I do think he needs probably a little more technical coaching and just, just improve his game a little. But yeah, very disappointing to see a guy who had the potential and the results that he'd put up just look lost. He's, I mean, he's batting at a run of ball. I think his strike rate at this IPL is 115 or something. That's just not him. Yeah, and I mean, there are some really telling lines in that article, man. It's just, um, it just, it just hurts so much to see that thing. I mean, he basically, Ben at Crickways makes the argument that Rishabh Pant would basically define an era of T20 batting. He, he thinks that batsmen are too cautious. He says in 15 years' time, it would be staggering if teams played with the same caution and traditional attention to preserving wickets. In Rishabh Pant, India have a player ready to change the game to define an era. He may struggle for the rest of the season, but hopefully he'll return. Basically, short, aggressive innings is what he says. And Rishabh Pant is more successful at these than anybody else while maintaining a high average and a strike rate. Which is, he basically compares him to people like A.B. de Villiers. I think he was, the stats put him like second to A.B. de Villiers in some of these uh, regards. And if you're being talking, talked in the same breath as A.B. de Villiers, as Gale, as masters of the game... He just looks like a shadow of the guy we saw in 2018 and 2019. And that's potentially because he's been messed around with by the Indian management. I mean, Shastri is going around saying, oh, he needs to be more uh, uh, responsible. Pant is saying, oh, um, natural game. There's no such thing as a natural game. But there is such thing as a natural game. He's been so successful at it. Just let him play. Instead of getting on his back if he holds out in the outfield once. I mean, I just it's just boggled my mind. And it's uh, it's just really sad to see this happen to such a outstanding talent, man. It's just upset me so much. I'm sorry. I don't know. No, I think you said it well. I think the only thing I'd add is just to close is one, what I saw somebody on social media or our Discord or somewhere said, you know, the difference, in, what is the difference between him in 2018 slash 19 and this year is back then he had a little more certainty about his place in the India team. And all this chopping and changing and seeing him in and out of the squad and not, you know, making the test squad, but not limited overs, et cetera, et cetera has definitely messed with his head. And we've talked about it for a long time on the show. So I think you just articulated it well. The disappointment is real. No, but what are, we, what are we doing sending him to Australia, man, to carry drinks for the test side of the uh, tour, right? Are we, are we, why are we sending him to Australia to carry drinks? Is he a backup keeper? Is he the second best wicket keeper in all of India? I have no answer, right? I think we've said before, they probably like to have guys close to the, making the team with the squad to learn and practice and play in the nets, etc., I, I, th- I think it's tough, right? Like, I think, would you rather have him just stay home or and work on technique or follow the side and be with the national side coaches and work on his technique there, even if he's not on the field? And maybe the argument is the latter. Maybe it is, but I think he's had time in the lockdown to work on his technique. But I think that he doesn't know where he stands. He doesn't know whether he's in or whether he's out, right? He's He's on that edge and he's just not allowed to play with freedom. And I don't know, man, it, it just... Maybe, hopefully, he, he comes out of this funk. He, he's such a special talent. I know we're jokingly called the Risha Pancho, but we really wish him well, genuinely. I mean, it, it, it's upsetting to see him like this. Anyway, uh, Mumbai Indians versus the Royal Challengers. And there's another selection drama here, right? 
uh, anyway, so the Mumbai Indians versus the uh, Royal Challengers Bangalore. Now, obviously, over the weekend, the top three teams had each lost their games. So, nothing changed over the weekend. The table remained the same. There was a little bit of adjustment with net run rate, of course, with uh, Daddy falling below RCB. Um, but uh, this game, Ashwin, Dave, that particle scored 74, looking much better, looking much more fluent. Uh, Josh Philippe came in for Aaron Finch, which was an interesting swap. Uh, kind of an uncapped player replacing the uh, Australian captain, right? Very, very strange. How is that going to play back home? I don't think it's as big a deal as we assume it might be because Finch has just had a horrific IPL. He's just been poor. And so I think unlike or kind of not Kohli's traditional way of operating as a leader, he actually gave Finch a very, very long run despite failing. And by the way, Philippe played before and didn't do well. And so, you know, sometimes it just works. Obviously, the result didn't go their way today. But Philippe and Particle, two young openers who, of course, Danny Morrison called the double P's. But... uh you know, came out and batted really well together. Made a 71-run partnership. Philippe looked good and pretty fluid at the, in his time out there. I think it remains to be seen whether in the key final league matches and in the playoffs do RCB rely on experience of Finch. Because we know if Finch comes good and makes 60-65 runs, he can be game-changing for the side. Or do they stick with Philippe and know that and back the, the Kohli, De Villiers at 2-3 and 4 to consolidate if those guys fail? Yeah, and this would have pretty much put uh, Mumbai Indians through to the playoffs if they won, and which they did eventually. But uh, it was courtesy a brilliant spell by none other than our very own Jaspreet Bumrah. Ashwin, four overs, 14 runs and three wickets. 15 dots in that spell of 24 balls. Bumrah back to his best after an off day against Rajasthan on uh, on Sunday. Yeah, 100%. I love to see him. Like I said, Hardik and Bumrah both for you know, for India fans, let's say, are wonderful to see. I think Bumrah bowled a double wicket maiden in like the 15th, 15th over or something. Oh, yeah. So I had him as my vice captain in fantasy today. Incredible. Great pick. I mean, great to see him do well. And yeah, when you take three for 14, including a maiden or a wicket maiden that late in the game, it becomes very, very, very difficult. So outstanding spell by him. Really excited to see him uh, doing well. Absolutely brilliant. But I also want to talk about one over by Kieran Pollard. Right, he comes in in the 16th over. Ab De Villiers is batting along with uh, uh, along with Padikal. They are really looking to launch. They're 131 for three in the 16th over. So with De Villiers, they're expecting what 60, 70 runs in the last five. I don't know. Kieran Pollard brings himself on for that one over and picks Ab De Villiers out. Gets him caught on the boundary at uh, long leg. Ashwin, he's got A.B. De Villiers out four times in the eight games that they've played. Is Kieran Pollard kryptonite for Superman A.B. De Villiers? I, th- I think he has to be, and we know that, right? Like, in, What I love is that Pollard knew that, had researched it, had the data in the back of his mind, had the, the memories of getting A.B. out. So both in terms of whatever it is with, he does with the ball, but also just mentally having that leg up on A.B. And as a skipper, Pollard has done very, very, very well for the side, you know, for his... Trinbago Knight Rider side in the CPL. And he gets, to, he gets to be skipper for Mumbai in Rohit's absence. And I thought it was a masterstroke. So getting De Villiers out with five overs left changed the game. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, have a listen to the 22 Yarns podcast, Ashwin, with uh, Gaurav Sundaraman, where he talks about being with the West Indies team and the uh, um, and in, in the CPL, where he talks about working with Pollard and how much Pollard is focused on data and matchups. 
And so this is not an accident that he's brought himself on for one over against A.B. de Villiers and picked him up again. There is no accident to this. So I just found that fascinating. And I listened to that podcast today after the game and it all just clicked into place. And this guy is an absolutely brilliant tactician. He loves strategy. He loves matchups. And I mean, it's worked and he backs himself to deliver it. Brilliant. Yeah, that's fantastic. I haven't heard that, but that doesn't doubt me. I, I don't doubt that for a second and it's outstanding to see. Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes to our competitor podcast. I mean, it's a bit of a joke, us being competitors with God. Hey, we're a fun community. We love each other. We want all podcasts to grow. So (laughs) we're supportive of them, as I'm sure they are of us. Absolutely, absolutely. But Ashwin, the last topic I want to talk about before we wrap for this week, and it is um, Surikumar Yadav. What does this guy have to do to get into the Indian team? I know we've spoken about him previously on the podcast saying, we need this guy in the T20 squad, but how is he not making it into the squad? And Ashwin, I hate to say this, but I think Manish is fine in the ODI squad that's been released. But Sky need, needed to take his place in the T20 squad. I, I think Manish is a good ODI player. His his um, game is more suited to the ODI game. But, I mean, how are we not getting this guy in? Are we saving flight tickets to Australia? What, are we trying to save money or something? What, we'll fly him, we'll crowd front the flight for him over there. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a, tough, it's a tough spot, right? Because I'm, I'm a fan of Manish Pandey, I say that. He, he averages 47 in T20s for India, while in all T20s, Yadav averages 32. Now, Manish also averages in the 32s in all T20s. But, you know, you pick a guy who's done well for the country... I think it's tough to say Manish doesn't deserve to be there because the numbers suggest otherwise. Yeah, but Manish is not out a lot of the time at the end. He's got like twenty-five not outs. If you look at his, if you look at his last five six innings, there'll be like four not outs in there, hundred percent. Yeah, that's an. I mean, I haven't looked into it in that data, but he strikes at one twenty-eight. Yeah, he's been not out seventeen times out of his thirty-two innings. So you're right; that definitely weighs into it, right? But I think it's so it's it's harsh to say. Manish deserved to be dropped. I do think Sky deserves a slot on the side. I, the only thing I can possibly... Th- there's probably one two things, right? One, so much of what matters is who you know, your relationships, etc. And you could tell today on the field, Kohli and Sky don't have th- the best relationship, it looks like, which, which is horrible. Is he Rohit's guy? Maybe he's Rohit's guy, right? And Rohit, there was a tweet that resurfaced from 2011 where Rohit said, Yadav is a, is a next big talent, you know, well, let's watch out for him, right? And he's, Sazish, Sazish. Yeah. Well, how old is he? He's 30, right? So that would have been when he was just 21 years old. So that's one, one potential theory. So the what did Kohli, did, did you see the Kohli incident with him today? Yeah, but I don't know what he said. All I saw is that Kohli was trying to stare him down and just rattle him a little because he was batting well, which I think is fine. It's all fun and games and part of the game, right? Yeah, agreed. I think he said a few words to him as well, which uh, I think weren't picked up clearly by the stump mic. But it was like he's edging it and he's he's he's, he's not good and all of that stuff. We'll talk about Kohli's uh, reaction and stature in a little bit. But uh, let's talk through Sky and why he isn't making it to the India. Yeah, squad. so the only thing I can think of is when you try to fill a, a squad, and you've made fun of me for this, by the way, but when you try to fill a squad based on the best players for each batting position, Surya Kumar Yadav at three is competing with Kohli. And he's not better than Kohli, right? Like I wouldn't replace Virat Kohli with him. So then you, then the question is, okay, do you try him and bring him in, fly him to Australia to bat out of position at four or five? Or now that you've got more consistent, better players at those positions, do you wait till Kohli's not playing or not fit? And that's when Yadav gets a shot. So it's tough. I don't support it. I think he, he has earned his place in the side, but it's a tough spot. So I find that dynamic very interesting because he is a direct competitor for Kohli's spot. And if Kohli's sitting in judgment for that, very, very interesting, I think. It has to, it's, it's the role of a captain, right? Fine. 
Um, what I didn't like today was after they had that confrontation and Sky takes them home, which I think would have got respect from Kohli anyway, Kohli did not acknowledge that innings at all in the post-match press conference. Now, Kohli does not sledge his India buddies. He doesn't sledge Hardik. I mean, he's smiling with Dhoni behind the stumps. They're chatting. He doesn't smell, spell like he doesn't sledge Rohit. He doesn't spell Hardik. He doesn't sledge, I don't know, Krona, Jadeja. They're all friends, right? He sledged this young kid who's disappointed at being left out of the squad. The young kid has gone above and beyond and done well. He's won the game for his side. When I say young kid, he's 30. Okay, fine. But he's uncapped. He's in India dreams lie in, in tatters. And I mean, he would have reasonably expected a call up, even, even if it was not in the 11 to the squad. And then, I mean, if Hartik had played that innings or if Rohit had played that innings, do you see Kohli not actually even acknowledging the innings in the post-match? And maybe we're scrutinizing too much, but I thought I was, a, I felt a little bit let down by that because Kohli's grown up. He's more mature than that. He's, he's not as petty as he used to be. But I feel that he could have done a little bit better there. Yeah, look, I didn't watch the press conference, right? It's the middle of the work day for me. So I missed it. I did read. And he basically said something to the effect of their batsman did a good job. So he could have and probably should have named Yadav. I think he knew. He knew. And let's be honest, he's still a fiery, aggressive cricketer. He didn't like the interaction, the, the altercation rather they had on the field. And he probably knew it would make news uh, based on whether he did or didn't say Yadav's name. And he chose not to. And that's you know, an unfortunate choice for the day. I wish he had uh, chosen to name him because forgetting about the India selection and all that, Yadav played a great game and beat, and single-handedly essentially beat Mumbai and the opposing captain should have, beat RCB, excuse me, and the opposing captain should have acknowledged it. Yeah, and I also liked his celebration. It was kind of a Mehuna type of celebration. He just like pointed to the dugout and said, I've done it, I'm here, look at me. I thought it was just such... Such a boss celebration. So I'm hoping to see, I mean, everyone's been tweeting about it, right? Like the commentators have been talking about him to him getting an India call up. I mean, even someone like Ian Bishop has gone out and said, hopefully he'll get an India call up soon. Scott Styris has said, maybe he should think of coming to New Zealand. So, I mean, uh, Sanjay uh, Banjarekar has, uh, has said that maybe uh, it's disappointing for people doing well in domestic, uh, domestic competitions like the Sayyad uh, Mushtaq Ali Trophy, where he did exceedingly well not to get called up. He's done three years of this in the IPL, right? Like year after year, he's done really well. Um, so it is disappointing. The only thing I can think of and the only thing I can justify his exclusion and the inclusion of Manish Pandey with Manish Pandey plays well, of course, but Manish is a fantastic fielder. The grounds in Australia are huge. And so he will cover ground very, very quickly. And the other thing I can think of is that Manish Pandey, I think is the only one that can beat Kohli in a fitness test. So he's got a better score than him in the yo-yo test in the Indian team. So I think that counts for him as well. So Manish better keep his fitness up. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's fitness or fielding or what it is. I do continue to believe probably in the minority that Manish deserves his spot as a batsman too. So let's just hope we go out, go back and bring results for India in Australia and Sky finds his way into the squad sometime soon. Yeah, I just wish we could have taken him there as well. I mean, frankly, the natural fit would have... Um, I mean, you've got Sanju Samson now, but I would have said that if Pant was in the squad, we could have swapped him out uh, with a heavy heart. But anyway, guys, it's uh, it was a great game of cricket. really enjoyed it. And I think that's the wrap on this week's episode, guys. Uh, by this time next week, we will be into the playoffs. We will release one episode more before the playoffs on Monday. 
But you guys know where to find us. We got a lovely review and Apple reviews from Sumit. And he says, I feel blessed to have found this podcast after living in the USA and working corporate for several years. I couldn't be more thankful to DJ Varun and Ashwin for becoming my virtual friends and reigniting my passion for cricket. You guys are just brilliant and your engagement with listeners is outstanding. I'm happy to be part of the community again and would recommend this to all cricket fans around the world. That is an absolutely brilliant review. So, my thank you so much for that. And we love to have you as a listener. As always, guys, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. We are on email, contact at onetip1hand.com. So, do get in touch and we will be back next week with a full house and the CSK fans. And uh, we will be asking them all the tough questions. So, do tune in for that. Hello, 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 everybody. It's been another great week on the IBM Podcast Network. On What the Hell Navya, Jaya and Chwetananda and Navya herself dish out stories from their childhood. They discuss tough love between parents and their kids. On Pesa Vesa, Anupam talks to Bamanirani, President-elect Kredai, and Chairman and MD at Rustamji. They discuss the concept of buy versus rent and how to approach buying property in 2022. On Cock and Bull, Cyrus is joined by Meghnath and comedian Shad Shafi. They discuss their opinions on the ongoing Congress presidential elections and Prashant Kishore embarking on a padyatra. On The Life Manifesto, Zarina narrates a story that advocates that stress and emotions are not to be controlled but must be beautifully managed. And on The Filter Coffee Podcast, Karthik is joined by Yashraj Akashi, Senior Ambassador of the TEDx Program and Curator of TEDx Gateway. They discuss the origin story of TED and its franchise model. Guys, go to our website, ivmpodcast.com. You can check out the merch store, also links to all of our social media stuff, which is at IVM Podcast. Also, do check out our YouTube channels. We have a number of channels with many of your favorite shows available as full video podcasts. Finally, we'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Volvo XC40 Recharge, Bumble, Heads Up for Tails, and HDFC Mutual Fund. Thank you so much for making this possible. Do you often find yourself surrounded by conversations about Web3, blockchain, NFTs, DAOs? What are these terms and how do they affect our future on the internet? So many questions, but don't worry, we've got answers to all your questions. Hi, I'm Eklavya Bhattacharya and on our show Future Proofing, we try to decode the impact of these future technologies on various industries with experts and tech enthusiasts. Tune into new episodes coming out every Thursday on the IBM Podcast app and the website or wherever you get your podcasts from. Working Monday to Friday glued to your chair making you feel dull? Worry not. Get your 5-minute weekly dose of travel around the world with postcards from nowhere. Join me every Thursday as I explore the strange, obscure and fascinating parts of the world and bring out facets of travel you may not have thought of before. You can find us on the IBM Podcast app, website or wherever you get your podcast from.